Paul alerts us to the moral and spiritual condition that will prevail in the last days. We must strengthen ourselves in the Holy Scriptures and press in for more demonstration of the power of God to not only stand up against the tide of wickedness, but to be the church that will advance and prevail over darkness. Uh, let's get ready to make our declaration and uh, then we are going to spend some time in the Word of God. Uh, we train ourselves every Sunday to say what God says, to speak the Word, uh, to make our declaration because uh, that is one way that we release faith by the words we speak, by the words of our mouth. And so as we make our declaration, it's not just a routine thing or it's part of the Sunday service. No, it's intentional. It's to train ourselves that we need to say what God says as a way of our expressing our faith. So let's stand up to our feet right now. If you brought your Bibles, I encourage you or request you to please hold it high up in the air. Let's say this out loud, bold and strong. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe His word. And I live by His word. Christ is my master. And to Him, I am in absolute surrender. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, just turn around to people next to you, in front of you. Say hello, shake hands, smile at them. Give them your name. And you may be seated, please. The last few weeks, we've been uh, studying through Paul's second epistle to Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, could you please turn with me to 2 Timothy. Uh, we've covered chapters 1 and 2. So this morning... Uh, we're going to be going through 2 Timothy, the third chapter, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Uh, just a very quick run through on the background of 2 Timothy. This is Paul's last epistle, the last epistle he ever wrote before he was martyred. And this was a letter that he wrote to young Timothy, whom he had appointed as a pastor or leader in charge of the church in Ephesus. Timothy, at this time, must have been about 35 years of age. Uh, he has spent about 18 years serving alongside the Apostle Paul. Uh, now he's in charge of this church and uh, actually overseeing not only the church, but other churches that have come out of this church in Ephesus in that region, what was known as Asia Minor. Second um, Timothy is a, a more of a personal letter from Paul. He's talking about his own life as a minister, and then he's giving input to another young minister. This is how you're supposed to be as a minister of God. So it's very personal and it, it, it's a lot of learning for all of us who want to serve God, who want to, you know, be ministers of God and, 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 and be used by God. And I believe all of us in one way or another uh, seek to be used by God. And so this letter is imp very important for us to draw lessons from. Second Timothy chapter 1, what was the key takeaway? I mean, there's a lot in that chapter, but anything that you remember, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 
don't be ashamed. Right? Paul says, don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, which we saw last Sunday. What was the key takeaway? Something about vessels. <laughs> be a vessel of honor. And he says, this is how you be a vessel of honor. If anyone, any person will cleanse himself of whatever is dishonorable, he will be a vessel of honor that God can use, set apart for God, uh, uh, and so on. Let's go to chapter 3 now. We're just going to read through the chapter, and then we'll spend some time uh, drawing insights from that chapter. 2 Timothy chapter 3. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. And from such, for of this sort are those who creep into households and make captives of gullible women loaded down with sins, led away by various lusts, always learning and never able to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now as Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifested to all as theirs also was. But you have carefully followed my doctrine, manner of life, purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from a childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith with this in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's a small chapter, so we're going to be done pretty soon. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, the first five verses, Paul is speaking about the end times. He says, Timothy, in the last days, perilous times, troublesome times will come. Things are going to be really bad. And then he begins to talk about or describe the nature of people in the last days. There are going to be all these kinds of people. Lovers of money, lovers of self, disobedient, and, and all kinds of things. He gives a description very much like what we see going on in our world today. But what is interesting is in verse 5, 
he also includes some good people. He says in verse 5, you'll also have people who have a form of godliness. They have a form of religion. That means they embrace all the nice things about the Christian faith. They say, yeah, you believe the Bible, I believe, I go to church, I do all that. They have a form of religion, a form of godliness, a form of piety. But they deny the power. The power. Now the Greek word there, power, is dunamis. Which in the New Testament is the same word that is used throughout the New Testament to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit. To talk about the manifestations of God's power in healings and miracles and in, 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 in salvation and in deliverance. It's the power of God. And what Paul is saying is, in the last days, you're going to have all these people, but you're also going to have these people who have a form of religion. They embrace everything that is right, but they refuse the power of the Holy Spirit. And what is his instruction? Just hang out with them a little bit. What does he say? From such, from such, turn away. I mean, this is pretty strong. From such, turn away. Turn away. I mean, don't just be with them. Turn away. And I'm going to let you decide what you want to do with the word of God. But I'm just telling you what the apostle Paul wrote for you and me, inspired by the Holy Spirit. That in the last days, it is insufficient to have a form of religion without the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not going to be of any use. Get out of it. Why? And we will see why he talks about why that is so important as we continue in this chapter. But I want to impress on your heart and mind from the word of God. That in the time and the hour in which you and I live, we must pursue more of the dunamis. More of the power of the Holy Spirit because of the times in which we live. This is not the time to embrace a form of religion that is void of the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the hour in which we live and we must cry out saying, God, we want more of the dunamis. We want more of the power of the Holy Spirit in manifestation, in operation, in demonstration, in and through our lives. Why? Because Paul continues. He says, verses 6 and 7, For of this sort... Meaning all these bad things he says, plus these people who have a form of religion but they don't embrace the power of God. Of this sort, he says, uh, talks about sneaky men and gullible women. Such men, what do they do? They are drawn to these gullible women who are loaded with sins, but they do want to listen to the latest news about the truth. They want to listen to the truth. So you've got New revelation, new teaching, new something from the Bible or whatever. They want to listen. But they are always learning but never coming to the truth. They like the information but they don't like the transformation. Tell me what you want but don't ask me to change. <laughs> don't ask me to embrace the word. Don't ask God to change me. But I like what you say. And he says that such men will go into these homes of such women and mess up families, mess up homes. 
Sneaky men, gullible women. Paul wrote it on me, right? <laughs> Don't say, I'm saying what Paul wrote. So as a side note, this is one very good reason why pastors should not visit homes when husbands are not there. And then he goes on in verse 8 and 9. He's talking about the same kind of men. And he says, As Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, so do these also, meaning these men, they also resist the truth. Men of corrupt minds, disapproved concerning the faith, but they will progress no further, for their folly will be manifest to all, as theirs also was. So now here he's saying, you know, these men in the last days, not only will they be sneaking upon gullible women with the latest truth and so on, but you know what? Just like Janus and Jambres resisted Moses, these men will also resist the truth. They'll fight against the truth. Now, so we need to go back to the Old Testament to see what happens. Paul is referring to an Old Testament incident. Exodus, the seventh chapter. Many of us know the story, but we'll just read some of that. In Exodus 7, verses 7 to 13, it'll be up on the screen. It talks about Verse 7, and Moses was 80 years old and Aaron 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. Then the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when Pharaoh speaks to you saying, show a miracle for yourselves. Then you shall say to Aaron, take your rod and cast it before Pharaoh and let it become a serpent. So Moses and Aaron went into Pharaoh and they did so just as the Lord commanded. And Aaron cast down his rod before Pharaoh and before his servants and it became a serpent. But Pharaoh also called the wise men and the sorcerers. So the magicians of Egypt, they also did in like manner with their enchantments. For every man threw down his rod and they became serpents. But Aaron's rod swallowed up their rods. And Pharaoh's heart grew hard. And he did not heed them as the Lord had said. So this is what Paul is referring to. He's saying, you know, these men in the last days, they will oppose the truth the same way the magicians of Egypt opposed Moses. Now, he's giving us the names of two men, Janus and Jambres. The names of these men are not recorded in the Old Testament. So it is very likely that the Apostle Paul got their names from ancient literature or maybe revealed to him by the Holy Spirit. Either way, doesn't matter. The Holy Spirit saw it fit to put their names down here. But that's not the issue. The issue is, how did these men oppose Moses? What did God do in response? Because that's the lesson that you and I need to apply in our day and time, in the last days in which we live. These magicians of Egypt did not oppose Moses with their theology. But they oppose Moses with their enchantments, with their sorceries, with their contact with unseen dark forces. That's how they fought back. Are you with me? Meaning to tell us that in these days, there will be people who oppose the truth, but their inspiration, their source is demonic. It's from the devil. And that's the kind of opposition that will come against the church. 
And this is exactly what Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 4, that in the last days, there will be doctrines of demons, there will be seducing spirits who will draw people away from the faith. You're with me so far? So in the last days, this is the kind of opposition the church is coming up against. It is demonic. But how did Moses or how did God instruct Moses to respond? You and I know what happened there that the first three miracles Moses and Aaron did, the magicians of Egypt also did. But what did God do? Did he change strategy? He said, Moses, I'm sorry, boy. This thing isn't working. Let's change strategy. Let's try arguments. Let's try debates. Did God change strategy? He just said, Moses, take it up to level four. Meaning, let's do more of it. And when Moses did the fourth miracle, the magicians of Egypt who were empowered by demonic source through their enchantments, sorceries, and magic were unable to rise up to that level, and they responded, this is the finger of God. What's the lesson for the New Testament church? That in the last days, if you and I are going to stand firm, if you and I are going to make a difference in the world in which we live, if you and I are going to be able to stand up against the kinds of men who will rise up in this day and hour, we need to press on to more and more and more of the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a time to give up, let up, and turn back. It's a time to say, God, we want more of the dunamis. We want more of the power of the Holy Spirit. We want to go up to level four. We want to go up to level five. We want to go up to level six. Because that's the only way we can stand up against what is coming against the church in these last days. So I want us to just point out the importance of what we're seeing here. That we must press in for more of the supernatural power of God and not back away from it given what will happen in these last days. Paul has warned us about it. We must be firm in our faith, demonstrating greater measures of God's power until the foolishness and worthlessness of those who oppose the truth are exposed. Because Paul said, eventually what will happen is this. Verse 9, they will progress no further, meaning they're going to hit a ceiling. They're going to hit a limit with what they can do with their enchantments and sorceries and magic, what they can do being empowered through demonic source. And their foolishness will be manifest. I mean, they'll be exposed. The power of God will be demonstrated to be much superior than the power of such people who oppose the truth. So in the light of all this, now Paul turns his attention to speak to Timothy, verse 10. And he says, Timothy, you have carefully followed or observed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, my faith, my long-suffering love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch and Iconium and at Lystra, what persecutions I endured, and out of them all the Lord delivered me. He says, Timothy... You were right beside me. For these 18 years, you traveled with me. You have carefully observed. You've had the opportunity to see, to listen to my teaching, and to observe my manner of life. To see my purpose, why I lived. My faith, how I had faith in God. 
my love, how I loved people, my perseverance. I faced hardships. I faced persecutions. And you saw all of that, Timothy. So there are lessons for you and me. How do we raise up Timothy? Timothy's. You can send them to Bible college. That's good. <laughs> but how do we raise up Timothy's? You need to treat them, first of all, as sons and daughters, not as servants. In the church today, unfortunately, in Christian leadership, we have leaders who lead, but they treat others as servants. If you treat people like servants, you'll raise up servants. If you treat people like sons and daughters, you will raise up sons and daughters. Servants, if you discipline them, they'll find a job in the house next door. Sons and daughters, thank God you can discipline them. They'll be back in your home because that's their home. Servants work for a reward. They get a reward at the end of the month. Sons and daughters, most of them, <laughs> work because they belong. This is their house. Servants receive a reward. Sons and daughters receive an inheritance. Many leaders have come and gone, but there have been nobody to take over once they left. Because they had servants, not sons and daughters. There was to receive their inheritance. I'm talking about spiritual inheritance. So we can raise up Timothys. When I say Timothys, I'm talking about sons and daughters in the house. Or we can raise up servants. If you want to raise up Timothys, this is it. You've got to be a plain glass. You've got to let people see. Not only listen to your teaching, but they've got to see your life. They've got to see your manner of life. They've got to see how you go through difficult times. They've got to see how you love people. They've got to see what, how, what, what, is, what, is, what, what motivates you. How do you live for purpose? They've got to see you for who you are. That's how you raise up sons and daughters. Unfortunately, and I'm, you know, I understand some of it, but some of it I think is rather foolish. Unfortunately, in our Christian world today, we have leaders who live in crystal cathedrals way up in the sky. And you need a telescope to see them. You don't see how they live. You don't see how they go through hardships. You don't see them as people. They're only super, super, super stars. <laughs> They're so far away. But when you have leaders who are superstars, you will not raise up sons and daughters. Because to raise up sons and daughters, you've got to be on the ground. They've got to carefully follow your manner of life. What do you live for? How do you go through your struggles? They've got to see you for who you are. Are you understanding this? This is how Paul raised up his Timothys. And Timothy was not the only young person that he raised up. In fact, there were several people that Paul raised up and nurtured so that when he was gone, when he was off the scene, the kingdom of God, the work of the kingdom only spread even more. Because he had raised up true sons and daughters in the kingdom of God. And then he says in verse 12, Yes, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. There is no exemption from persecution in the Christian life. We all have our share of it in whatever form it may come. And verse 13, he says, But evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. 
So he says, look, Timothy, this is what's going to happen. Things are going to get even more tough. That word imposters is an interesting word in the Greek because in the Greek it's talking about literally translated wizards. Men who cast spells. Men who are involved in the occult. Men who are energized by demonic powers. So what Paul is saying is, as time progresses, evil men and men who are empowered by demonic source, demonic power, they will only increase. They themselves will be deceived and they will deceive others. So tell me what kind of a church should we see in our day and time? We need a church that is strong in the truths, strong in holiness, but also strong in the power of God. To be able to stand up in the times in which we live. So verse 14, in view of all this, Timothy, you must continue in the things which you have learned. Don't give up on the things you've learned, things you've been taught. Continue in these things, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you've known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. So Timothy, continue in the things that you've learned. I think two important things as a reasoning over there. Paul says, knowing from whom you have learned them. Timothy, remember your time with me. Remember your grandmother Lois, your mother Eunice. All these people have put stuff into you. Continue in the things that you have learned. Hold on to it. Don't give up on it. Continue. But for us people who desire to put things into others, it gives us an important lesson. That if we want people to continue the things which they have learned, we have to be credible ourselves first. Are you with me? Because Paul says, knowing from whom you've learned them, that you actually received what you've learned from credible people. Your message is credible because you are credible. So Timothy... Know from whom you've learned. Secondly, know from where you've learned these things. It's from the Holy Scriptures. I mean, you've got it from a reliable source. It's the Word of God. It's the truth of the Word that has been deposited into you. Continue in these things. Don't give up. Continue in these things. And we have all that's going to around you. Sure, there are going to be evil men. Imposters, deceiving, being deceived, all that around. People trying to come up against the truth, uh, questioning our minds, challenging our faith. But Timothy, continue in the things which you have learned. Knowing that you received it from reliable people and from a reliable source, which is the Holy Scriptures. And then he begins to explain, telling us something about the Holy Scriptures. The last two verses. He says here, the Holy Scriptures, which is the basis for your faith, which you've studied from, a, from your childhood. I want you to know, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. The Holy Scriptures, and of course at that time it meant the entirety of the Old Testament. In our day, we have the New Testament as well. The entirety of scriptures, the Holy Scriptures, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. 
is God breathed. That's why it's reliable. So you continue in these things, Timothy. Don't give up. Just because of all that's around you. Continue. Because you've learned it from the Holy Scriptures. And all Scripture is given by the inspiration of. This is a divine book. It's divine in its origin. Divine in its source. You hold on to it. In 2 Peter chapter 1, just give a little sidetrack here, verses 20 and 21. Peter writes, knowing this, that no prophecy of Scripture is of any private interpretation. It's not like books of fiction or imagination. It's none of that. For prophecy came by the, never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the holy. So how did the Bible come to us? Men who were inspired by God, they wrote down what the Holy Spirit gave them. Of course they were human. Of course they used human language. Of course they used the culture and the language and the time of their day and time. But the truth was inspired by the Holy Spirit. It says you've learned it from these kind of scriptures, the Holy Scriptures. So hold on to what you've learned. Don't let go. And then he says, if you continue the word, what, will the, what is the word useful for and what will it accomplish in you and me? He says, the scriptures, they are useful for doctrine, which is for teaching or learning. They're useful for reproof, which is to give you evidence or conviction. They're useful for correction, straightening us out. They're useful for instruction to nurture us, train us. And if we submit ourselves to the Holy Scriptures, what will happen? It will make us perfect and equipped for every good work. The Word of God. Amen? So you say, you know, Pastor, why do you spend so much time every Sunday explaining the Word, teaching the Word? Why? Because it is profitable. For teaching, for instruction, to give us conviction, to give us correction. So that you and I can be complete, mature, grown up, and fully equipped for every good work. Amen? This is it. The Word. The Word of God. And of course, the Word of God leads us into communion and fellowship with the living God. It shows us how to open our lives to the work and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, how to be used by God and all of that. But this is the basis. This is the starting point. We start with the Word, and the Word of God then opens up all of the dimensions of God to us. So we need that. We need to study. Take time. It will prepare each one of us for every good Amen. So to sum up what Paul gets across to us in this chapter, he's saying, you know, in the times, in the last days, it's going to be perilous times. It's going to be difficult times. You're going to have all kinds of people. You're going to have religion without power. You're going to have people who are you know, breaking up homes and families and, and all of that. And it's going to get worse and worse. Evil men and imposters are going to get even more and more wicked. But as God's people, we must continue 
in the things which we have learned. We must stay rooted and firm on the truth of the Holy Scriptures. And we've got to press in for greater demonstrations of the power of God. Because that was the only way that Moses and Aaron stood up against the opposition they faced in their time, their day. Amen. So as a church, as we continue to emphasize, talk about the power of God and seek to train all of us in, in the prophetic, in the gifts, in the moving of the Holy Spirit and how to minister healing and deliverance. You know, we are preparing to be the kind of church that God wants us to be for the last days. Amen? Because God's already warned us. He says, this is how it's going to be. And this is what you need to stand up victorious in the time and the hour in which you are. So I want to encourage all of us, let's be firm in the truth we've been taught, in the things God's put in our lives, in growing in the things of the Spirit, in growing in the things of God. Don't back out. Don't give up. Don't let go. Paul said, Timothy, continue in the things you have learned. Become stronger in it. Amen? Let's rise to our feet, please. We're going to take a few moments to pray and then we will uh, we'll close, we'll dismiss. Let's just take a few moments, please, to pray together. Father, we just ask that you will help us, Father, to rise up and be the kind of church you desire here on earth, given the times we live. Lord God, we invite more of the moving, the working, the manifestations and demonstrations of your Spirit. We ask, of oh God, that just like Moses and Aaron in their time, saw the power of God in signs, wonders, and miracles. We pray that we will be a church that is raised up, oh God, each one of us who have been taught, trained, and empowered, and equipped with the Holy Spirit. That, God, we will turn away from a form of religion that rejects the power, but truly go after the power of God that you made available for us in the times in which we live. Holy Spirit, we invite you to move upon every person, ignite our hearts, release the gifts of the Spirit, and let there be more and more and more manifestations of the power of God in us and through us, O oh God. Help us make this journey. Teach us how to give ourselves to it so that those who oppose the truth, that their folly will be exposed to God by the power that is demonstrated through the church. Father, we pray that we will not shy away, we will not despise the unusual movings and the workings of the Holy Spirit. That we will not shy away from the signs and the wonders and the power that you want to manifest and you want to infuse us with, O oh God. And we will welcome, we will arise up, we will be open, we will desire for more. We thank you, Father.
This morning, before we close, I just want to give an invitation to anyone here who you've never received Jesus into your life and never asked Him to take over your life, to forgive you your sins, to become your Savior. Maybe your mind has been confused with all that you hear outside. All that question and challenge the truth. But this morning as you're standing here, maybe deep inside you, you feel. You know, Jesus Christ is real. And I need to give my life to Him. Even if there's one person here this morning like that, I want to pray with you. I want to just lead you in a simple prayer before we close. If there is a sense in your heart that this morning you need to come to Jesus and give your life to Him. And if you've never done this before, if you've never asked Jesus to forgive you your sins and come into your life and be your Lord, be your master. Would you like to do it right now? You can just pray this prayer with me. The Bible says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. I just want to help you call upon the name of Jesus. If you've never done this before, would you say this with me, please? Lord Jesus, forgive my sins. Come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. And from this day, help me to follow you and you alone the rest of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's close. Father, we just thank you for this time. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God our Father, and the sweet fellowship of His Holy Spirit be with each one of us always. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a good Sunday afternoon. Enjoy your week. See you again. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also visit our website, apcwo.org, for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.